Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, boys and girls, to another all-new edition of geek to me Radio. Today we are broadcasting live from STL Comics. They're doing a big show here in Earth City. You can check out their Facebook page, STL Comics, find out where it is. Come on down and see us. We'll be talking to Andy Bean and Keith Horn, the Muppet Babies composers. We'll talk with Brett Hoffman about summer blockbusters from Marcus Theaters and more. Stand by. Comics and movies and video games. And if you don't know, Star Trek from Star Wars will try to explain. The Atrovaches from Hogwarts houses will hang rows and And if you're driving around the St. Louis area right now, listening to us on 105.3 FM and 1380 AM, we thank you for tuning in. While you're driving around, come on down to the Holiday Inn here in Earth City, just off Ryder Trail. You can come into the STL Comic Show. Whole bunch of comic vendors, just probably many hundreds of boxes uh, from dollar comics, $5 comics, to Silver Age, to Bronze Age. They've got graphic novels, everything you want. Come on down here. This segment brought to you by the City of St. Charles. Discover stcharles.com is their website. You can check out all the fun things there are to see and do in the St. Louis area. Beautiful weekend weather we're having. Take your dog out for a walk in Frontier Park. Maybe sit on the patio, one of the wineries out here. Have some Missouri wine. Grab yourself a gooey butter milkshake from Little O's. Uh, stop by any of the cool restaurants. Pop in some of the shops. Check out all the things there are to see and do. Follow them on Twitter, Discover STC, and also make sure to check out that website, discoverstcharles.com, to plan your trip and see what there is to do around town. We had the chance to talk to Muppet Babies composers, these new Muppet Babies that are on. Uh, Andy Bean and Keith Horn give us the music behind that new series, and here's our talk with them. We're joined now by Andy Bean and Keith Horn, uh, the people behind the music for the brand new Muppet Babies reboot. You can see that. It's the CGI animated television series on Disney Junior that just began airing, I think, back in March, if I'm not mistaken, was the premiere. So, Keith and Andy, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. So I love the fact that uh, a lot of these reboots are coming back and they're from my childhood. So I'm a little, you know, I sit there with folded arms at first being, mm, I don't know about that. DuckTales wowed me. They kept the original theme song. You guys kept the original theme song, too, for Muppet Babies. Was there any talk about doing something different with the theme song or was that it from the get go? I'm not sure. You know, another uh, this is Andy here. Uh, I wrote the songs for the show. Uh, neither of us were involved in the in the reboot of the theme. So uh, we can't speak to that. But I if if they I'm sure. They uh, entertain the possibility of doing something new and then quickly realize that, hey, that old theme's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it holds up well. It's one of those, as soon as you hear it, you can picture all the, uh, and I was watching some of the episodes. They do incorporate some of the movie elements into the show as well. Like they had the uh, the very first episode with Sir uh, Sir Kermit the Brave, whatever it was called, had the, the rolling rock from Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, just like they had in the original Muppet Baby series. So it's kind of cute that it's paying homage and honoring its roots as well. Correct, correct. Yeah, apparently, uh, you know, what we, this is more on the production end, but what we've heard is that uh, apparently back in the 80s, it was uh, a lot easier to be kind of fast and loose with a uh, borrowed footage. But now apparently there's more uh, legal hurdles that people are more conscientious about. So it's a little harder to get stuff in, but we still do. Good, good, good. I like All those people went to law school and they got to ruin it for everybody, you know? 
So with the music, I was listening to some of the tunes on Spotify. Um, when the two of you are working and collaborating on the music, how uh, describe a little bit about the creative process behind the songs we hear. Uh, so the songs and the background music happen at different times. Um, for the songs, I get a little brief from the people who are writing the scripts. Um, you know, I get a little script that says here and here in the story, write a song about this, have it sung by this characters, make it about a minute long, call us back in a week, that sort of thing. Um, so I so I work on those, and then um, then we get to record the characters, and then uh, it's the songs usually sound pretty muppety to start, and then once you record some Muppets singing them, then they start to sound really really muppety and then um then that starts up the next week so i think we've done like 40 songs or so uh for this first season hmm. and I, I didn't see i was trying to look did they confirm a second season yet because there's a couple episodes of the first that haven't aired yet do we know we're getting a second season i'm not sure i'm not sure if it's official yet um yeah i think we've only aired uh eight or nine of the first season and i think there's 20 or so so there's there's pl- plenty more to come good 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 so the, the the background music, the score, and things like that. I've I've talked to some video game composers in the past, and it's one of those things where it's got to be just the right amount of music. It's it's too much, and it's going to kind of take you out of the scene. But too little, and you almost don't notice it. Where where does that fine line? Where does that fall? Do you think uh, as far as the score, the music that we hear during the scenes going on, and things like that? Well, it doesn't seem to be too much as far as the score goes uh, for, for this show because it, it's wall to wall. You know, the music music starts on frame one and it finishes on the last frame of the show. Uh, at I, I guess the biggest challenge with whether there's too much or too little for me is making sure I stay out of the way of dialogue because these characters do talk a lot. And some of them have very high voices, which I have to make sure that I, ha- I, I stay out of the way with high instruments. So it's, in situations like that, I have to stay in the background. And, and uh, rarely, is it, uh, rarely do we get a note that says there's too much music. So when you're doing the, the score for that, then did they, did they ever say, hey, this particular character will be talking around this particular time? and you've got to, Or is it kind of something you have to finesse along the way as you're seeing it all played out and, and, and laid out for you? We get pretty specific scoring notes from our producer, Tom Warburton, uh, before I start scoring the episode. And, you know, he, he just makes sure that he wants me to hit certain emotional tones. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't specify down to uh, this person speaking, so stay out of the way. It's usually just when you have some some character is feeling a certain emotion, and we have to make sure the audience hones in on, on that, which in this case the audience is, you know, two to five, two to seven-year-olds, and we want to make sure to billboard, okay, now this character is feeling bad. We want to make sure we hit that. So, you know, they'll specify those things in the notes just to make sure I, I get them. But I've, after 10 or so episodes of this, I've gotten a pretty intuitive sense of, of what to follow and, and what and, and who to follow. And I know that you mentioned the, the target audience for this uh, around roughly from we're going to see ages two to probably up to about seven. I feel like when I was watching Muppet Babies, I was older than seven, unless I'm misremembering and just felt more mature. Who knows? But uh, obviously, because of the nature of it being Muppet Babies, there are going to be older people my age, uh, you know, give or take five years up or down watching this show. So is there that element of this needs to be geared towards that audience, but we're going to put some stuff in to make sure that the older fans are going to still enjoy, catch on, be singing this to their kids in the car? I think, um, I think you know, in the writing, there are definitely nods to uh, the older folks and the parents. Um, you know, for, for the music, um, we have, you know, some, like, uh, restrictions, not restrictions, the some guidelines that Keith was talking about, about, you know, not getting too scary for young kids. But for on the song end, 
um, things like that. I mean, I, I don't ever really think about the fact that we're writing for uh, toddlers or that's the audience when we're writing songs. We just, you know, writing songs about the story and then, um, and then, uh, you know, can't be too aggressive or metal or anything like that, but that usually <laughs> doesn't come in the story. Um, but yeah, we, so we're not really writing for toddlers. We're just trying to write the best song uh, we can. And then uh, hopefully the kids will like them. And so do you, do you ever, either of you get the note, be like, make it more Muppety. <laughs> you know, What's, what's, uh, I think one of the reasons I got the job is that my natural uh, songwriting tastes uh, skew a little retro and definitely a little muppety. You know, I've traveled <laughs> around the, the, wor- the world in this uh, weird little uh, you know, ragtime banjo outfit for almost 10 years. So it's like I was well-trained uh, when I got the gig. Um, and so, you know, I like fast, upbeat sort of retro tunes, and that seems to fit the show and the Muppet universe pretty well. So I know for my purposes, when I, when I hear a tune, I can kind of throw lyrics in uh, and kind of like, well, that kind of works. So I would I would think that the easiest part is to have the song and then give uh, put words to it. Am I alone in that, or have either of you found it's actually the easier way to do the other? Um, I usually, I mean, I usually write uh, music and lyrics together. Uh, that's always been the easiest way. Um, for me and uh, on, on this show they're really nice uh the writers are really nice they just kind of let me go to town with a, sort of a blank slate um lyrically which is great um but yeah I, i've that's that's what works for me i know some people will write music first and put lyrics over it and then some people will write you know lyrics down like a poem and then put music to it um, but i like i like to do them at the same time so Keith, when uh, when you got your degree from, uh, we talked about uh, Michigan earlier off off the air, yeah. but Western Western Michigan University, and then your master's in film scoring, was there ever in the back of your mind like I'm gonna write, I'm gonna be end up writing for Muppet Babies, or I'm gonna do some of the, some of the pop culture stuff that you've done? Is that was that ever crossed your mind when you were going to school, or was it uh, did you kind of plan a different path and fate steered you in this direction? You know, I never, I never planned on doing animation. I knew I wanted to, to be uh, a film composer of sorts. And I, to this day, I, you know, I started doing this probably in 2000, around 2002 as, as a film composer, and I've never once done a film. All I've done is commercials and television, and I ended up in animation because I had done so many different things. And it ended up, it ended up training me well to play the 100 different composers that I have to be for a show like this. Right. But I never actually, I never planned this. I'm glad it turned out this way because I'm having a blast with it, but I never planned it. And Andy, uh, with, with you, same thing when you were doing composing songwriting, is this like, I, I would think it's a dream job to work for, being working for Disney, and in addition to that, the Muppet Babies of all things. Is that kind of, uh, is, are you surprised by where you find yourself in your career right now, or is this kind of like, I wanted to go this direction and here's where I am because of that? Oh, it's definitely all uh, all surprises and uh, and lucky breaks. Um, you know, I, I only got into animation because I was on the road with a with a band, and we had somehow gotten on the radar of some Disney person that invited us to uh, audition for something. And that was a show I did a few years ago called Wander Over Yonder. And then I was sort of you know in the loop, so I got invited to submit for things. But yeah, every it's, it's I never expected or was even directly working towards any of this. It all just sort of uh, all just sort of worked out. Um, so uh, definitely thankful for that. And uh, I've got a question for both of you. We'll start with Keith. Your dream job, if you could compose music for any project, movie, film series, TV show, what would be your dream given your choice? 
And we'll come right back answering that question from Muppet Babies composers Andy Bean and Keith Horn right after this, so stand by. The iconic Tara Strong bringing us back from this commercial break. This segment brought to you by Tenacious Eats. Tenacious Eats is the perfect blend of movie and food. Check out their website, tenaciouseats.com, to purchase your tickets to their upcoming events. Check out the menus they've had for previous events. See what Chef Liz might have in store for you. And make sure you get those tickets early because they do tend to sell out. Chef Liz uh, blends food and film in a beautiful combination uh five course meal each course corresponding to a different scene in the film and an adult beverage paired with that course a good time is had by all it's interactive dining full contact dining as chef liz says uh trivia games in between when we take our intermissions and a good time is had by all check out that website tenaciouseats.com for more information right before we went to break we were talking with muppet babies composers and songwriters andy bean and keith horn and we left them asking them a question about their dream jobs. And uh, i got a question for both of you. We'll start with Keith. Your dream job, if you could compose music for any project, movie, film series, TV show, what would be your dream given your choice? This is it. Well, good. Yeah. Yeah, and, I'm, and I'm not just saying that because I have to because our showrunners are going to listen to this. But, <laughs> but no, really, uh, you know. Uh, a friend of mine asked me, I was like, so, you know, now that you're doing animation, what's your dream job? And I'm like, doing animation now that I'm doing it. Yeah, this is, uh, this is the dream gig for me, too. I mean, like I said a minute ago, it's any time I get to be so many different composers at one time, in any given episode even, you know, I'll have to be five, six, seven different types of composers and, and, and write all these different genres. And it's, it's never a dull moment working on this show, and there's so much variety. So, yeah, that makes it a dream gig for me. Now, Andy, I feel like you almost have to say this gig now that he's given that answer, but uh, feel free to go off book. No, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely say the slightly more general is that I, I had no idea uh, I looking to uh, go into writing songs and score for animation until I got the opportunity to. And then once I did, I was like, oh, oh, this is this is the perfect job. So um, I, I will say, you know, generally writing songs and background music for cartoons is about, is about as good as it gets. Um, and uh, and so the dream, though, is that it keeps going, you know? Right. Sure. <laughs> the, 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 the fish right. goes for a while, and then we get some other shows after that. So the, so the dream job is this for a sustained period. Yeah, the dream is still paying the rent. That's yeah. a good dream to have. I'm sure your landlord also <laughs> wants you to have that dream. That's great. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I would even roll it back and say just like, you know, making a living uh, playing music without having to drive six hours uh, every day in a van is, is pretty sweet. Especially in L.A. traffic, because I think you only get about maybe five miles in about six hours uh, with L.A. traffic. Correct. Correct. (laughs) And so I know professionals, uh, there's that joke about actors. How many actors does it take to screw in a light bulb? Five. You need one to screw it in and four to sit back and smoke and say, I could have done that better. So (laughs) as composers and as as songwriters and as musicians, do you find yourself, uh, when you're in movies, when you're watching TV shows, paying attention closer than a normal person would to the to the songs and the music being used, and do you ever get nitpicky? Uh, I, I would say the the actual the opposite happens. Uh, you know, definitely more aware 
of of the songs and um, and the background music used in 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 TV and film, you know, animation and and live action. Um, but my my reaction is more like, wow, how did they do that? You know, like on a production level, um, or also just a respect because I know how hard it is to turn stuff around mm. that quickly, especially especially like you know a lot of those network. Uh, you know, hour-long dramas. Yeah, where the guys are t- turning around a half an hour music every week. Uh, that's hard. Um, and so, if I ever hear, even when I do ever hear something where I'm like, "Yeah, maybe I wouldn't have done that," I'm just like, "Well, it was due." So <laughs> I, re- I respect yeah. that you got to spit out that much music. It's uh, it's not easy. Yeah, I find that uh, I don't necessarily nitpick, but I, I I notice the music when it jumps out when it's very good. I think, wow, who did this? This is amazing. Or if it's really out of place, it jumps out because it just sounds odd. And a lot of times that's not even the composer's call. It's the producer or the director's call that may say, we want this type of music here, and the composer just executes it, even though it may be the wrong type of music. Uh, But for me, those are the things that jump out, but I don't necessarily nitpick. And we're talking with Andy Bean and Keith Horn from the, uh, the gentleman behind the music you're hearing in Muppet Babies, the reboot that is being broadcast right now. Uh, with the Muppets being so beloved, was there any hesitation or trepidation on either of your parts coming in saying, you're going to do all the music for a beloved reboot of a TV show? Was there any, ooh, that might be a, a big project. We want to make sure we get this right. Was there any hesitation at all for either one of you? Uh, not not for me. I mean, because I was talking about, you know, I, I felt like a natural fit for it from the beginning. Um and also, it's like, hey, somebody's got to do this. Why not us? <laughs> yeah, I think the for me there was never any there was never any hesitation. But with with every show and with every single episode, there's always a bit of nerves at the beginning. I think I would think to myself, how am I going to get this all done? Do I still have any good music left in me? And then usually <laughs> by the end of the episode, and I had somehow miraculously figured out how to do it. Uh, the the nervousness and the trepidation subsides, but then it starts all over again the following Monday. <laughs> so you have that to look forward to each week. That's kind of nice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so when when the songs are being done, are you guys there with the cast as they're singing and recording them at all? Yeah, I, I go um, I go to all the the voice records um, when they're doing singing and, and direct them. Um, and you know, a lot of them are, have great ears as well. So you know, sometimes we'll come up with different harmony parts and things for them. On, on the fly. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely always want to be there to make sure I'm getting what I want for the tune. And I love Jenny Slate, uh, especially from Parks and Rec, obviously, but she's uh, got such great comedic timing. Uh, how, how is she to work with? She is, she is great. You know, we would, I think she sang two or three songs uh, this season and on almost all of them, you know, she sang the keeper take on maybe the first or second try. And then after each take would apologize that it wasn't good. And I would be like, uh, that's, that's not not good that's wonderful <laughs> so so yeah that those sessions were great and fun and quick and another question for both of you before i let you go um your major influences your uh, any any uh people who you ho- hold up as the paragon of someone in your industry i'll go ahead and we'll start with keith i mean you have to start with john williams he's oh yeah you know, he, he's the living beethoven the living bach you know everybody all the greats out here still bow down to John Williams. But for this type of project, not it, I do listen to John Williams for this, but for me it's Bruce Broughton and it's Joel McNeely and a little bit of Carl Stalling because I, I have to do some, some throwback sort of Looney Tunes scores once <laughs> in a while. But, yeah, those are the influences for me. And Andy? 
Yeah, and, and especially for you know writing songs for uh, for animation. You know, Randy Newman's about about as the best yeah. there is, and 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 of course all his stuff that's not for cartoons I like even better. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so he, he's he's a big influence. And we had uh, we had uh, Rob Paulson on the show not that long ago. He had great things to say about Randy. Oh yeah, I can imagine. It must be a, must be a treat to work with him. Oh man. Well, gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate Andy Bean and Keith Horn, the gentleman behind the music from Muppet Babies. You can catch it on Disney Junior, and uh, we should have at least another several episodes coming up, I think beginning next month. I think it took a little network hiatus, but I think they're, uh, if I remember correctly, starting early June, we'll get the rest of those episodes. So we look forward to hearing more from you, and if you uh, have want to come back on before Season 2, let me know. Very good. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for having us. Appreciate it. Thanks, gentlemen. Take care. There they go, Andy Bean and Keith Horn talking Muppet Babies. We'll be right back talking movies with Brett Hoffman right after this. Stand by. Hi, this is Dean Devlin, director of Bad Samaritan, and you are listening to geek to me Radio. We are back broadcasting live from STL Comics here in Earth City, Missouri, right off a of Rider Trail. If you're driving around the St. Louis area, come out and see us. We've got featured artists David Gordon, Jeff Edwards, and Jay Sloan. Bring them your blank covers, and they'll draw something out for you. You can pick up some of their artwork and design some stuff. STL Comics, bunch of vendors set up here. Literally hundreds of thousands of comic books from the modern age to the Silver Age to the Bronze Age, all right here for you to come pick up and buy. We are joined right now on the phone by Brett Hoffman, the director of marketing for Marcus Theaters. Brett, thanks so much for taking time out of your Sunday to hop on air and talk movies with us. Thanks, James. Always like to be on. So uh, we've gotten through some of the summer movies already since last we spoke. Um, I guess let me start with Solo. I know that that was slightly disappointing for Disney. It's not like it didn't do well, uh, but it didn't do as well as previous Star Wars movies between people not be, I guess, I don't know, I wasn't as excited about this. This isn't a story that I felt needed to be told. After seeing it, I enjoyed it and wanted more. Uh, what were your thoughts on the movie, and why do you think it underperformed? Sure. Well, I actually thought the movie uh, turned out to be one that I enjoyed just like you did. Uh, my issue with the movie is I thought it was more like a heist film rather than a film that familiarized me with Star Wars. There weren't things going on like multiple settings and the side wipes, things we have come to know as nostalgic and part of Star Wars DNA. And that probably has to do with the fact that you had a few different directors, including the, the man who finally brought this project to the end, which is Ron Howard. Uh, however, I thought the movie was enjoyable for a summer movie. Um, I, I did think that for whatever reason, Disney might have to rethink what they're doing now going forward. And in fact, uh, Kathleen Kennedy and the people at Lucasfilms or, or Lucasfilms over at that branch of, of Disney are looking into this. We knew that there was a both a Boba, a Boba Fett and a uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi movie in the pipeline, and now they're looking at those and saying, do we need to look at these a little differently, and what do we have to do to engage with the audience? Um, I have no fear on this, though. There have been some ups and downs in some of the Marvel films, and look what they've done. If there's any company that can get this right, I think it's Disney. I just think this takes a little bit more about stepping back, looking at the audience, and 
and seeing what they can do for next time because we know episode nine will do very well if the, if the film after that they need to look forward to. Right, and I know Rogue One was the first kind of non-trilogy story that we got from Star Wars. I missed the scroll, and obviously Solo didn't have the opening, uh, the, the scroll, <laughs> the crawl as well, which I guess they're just going to be doing with their standalone movies now, which I think maybe, hey, if we're revisiting stuff, let's put the scroll back in. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I ex- thought exactly, James. I thought some of those Star Wars iconic elements, they can put those back in. I don't think, I think the audience would like to see it more than they care about it just being associated with the orig- original type films. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I, like I said, overall I enjoyed the movie. I thought uh, the lead was a little underwhelming but i loved everyone else i think that uh, tandy newton was uh, too brief in the movie i would love to see more from her i think woody harrelson and donald glover both of them they stole the show for me yeah i would say so too i think donald glover we look at his path and i think you're going to see him uh become a, a bigger and bigger force over the next couple of years based upon this performance and everything else he's done and woody harrelson is there a role that that guy can't play I mean, uh, we saw him in everything from being nominated to three billboards to doing this, to being in the Star Wars film. He is such a versatile actor, and that was actually very enjoyable to watch on screen. One of my favorite Woody Harrelson uh, movies is uh, After the Sunset with Pierce Brosnan and Salma Hayek, which is also kind of a cat and mouse cop versus thief type of game, but it was very fun. And there's a scene where they're putting... Pierce Brosnan and Woody Harrelson are putting sunscreen all over each other while trying not to look awkward about it. And it's just, uh, it's one of those movies that I think is underrated. So if, you, if, you're, if you're listening right now, you might want to go find it on DVD or Blu-ray after the sunset. Um, as far as other summer movies, uh, what else have you been surprised by that's come out uh, that you've seen that you didn't think you'd like or you didn't think you'd like as well as you liked it? Anything like Tag or anyone like that? Well, there have been a couple movies that have come out that I guess I've been a little bit surprised out. But overall, I have just been floored by how much better the crop of movies has been in terms of people going to movies than it was last year. Last year, Wonder Wonder Woman was our top movie with $412 million. And we have plenty of films that surpass that. Uh, On the top end, Avengers Infinity War is still going strong, and it's currently at $669 million. Um... I guess here's the thing. I think a lot of people were surprised by Incredibles 2 opening up to $180 million last weekend. When it when it opened up to 180, people said, where did this come from? Because they thought it was going to open up to about $130 million or so. But it's been so long since we've had a quality family or just mass audience animated movie being released out there that I think there was something to that one as well. And then you look at the fact that it's been 14 years. It had so much time to build the momentum and get people hungry for it. So I would say one of the things that was obviously incredible was the Incredibles 2 release. It's already at, after this weekend, $350 million. To put that in perspective, you think of movies like Frozen, animated movies that are just huge in terms of their success. Frozen only made $400 million. You've got Incredibles 2 at 350, it's going to make well over 500 million dollars. So I think that goes down as pretty much the biggest success in terms of outperforming where they thought it was going to be a couple months ago. Um, the other movie that I think did very well and had probably the best positioning 
Deadpool 2 actually did a very good job, and I thought Fox had a very good move there. It was originally slated to be released after Solo, the weekend after Memorial Day. They moved it up. They got the attendance on a lot of the bigger screens that they wouldn't have gotten if they released after Solo. And while that movie won't make as much as the original, I think they've solidified Deadpool as a character that definitely deserves a third, fourth, and other installments within other Marvel products. I think you'll see a lot more Deadpool based on his success. And I know the uh, the Fox deal, talking about Fox with Disney uh, going back and forth and Comcast jumping in, uh, it's hard to keep track of who is actually going to end up with uh, with what. Have, what was the latest that you've heard being kind of uh, on the inside of this industry as far as Disney acquiring Fox? Well, you know, I don't know anything more than anyone else reading the reading the papers or reading the, the internet does. Knew that it, that Disney put a bid in, Comcast put a competing bid in, and Disney's back again with another bid. So let's just say this has a long, long way to go before it comes to fruition. Uh, but I think there's certainly product from both Fox and both Disney for a long time, and um, we'll have to see where that we'll have to see where that comes to. But uh, I don't think that there'll be an agreement anytime soon. I think there'll be a couple more back and forth. And we're talking again with Brett Hoffman, who is uh, in charge of all the marketing for Marcus Theaters. Uh, we'll tell you more about Marcus Theaters in our next segment. Uh, we're going to have you on again next week, if I'm not mistaken, to discuss some uh, previews that we've seen uh, for like Halloween and things like that. But as far as terms of the movies, just if you could give us a quick, which ones do you think people should keep on their radar? I know Hereditary's out already. Uh, do we have any other horror films coming before we get Halloween now to look forward to? Well, actually, yeah. If you're, if you're a horror fan, there is a movie coming out on September 7th. It's called The Nun. It's part of the Conjuring franchise. The story is by yeah. James Wan. This movie is going to scare the daylights out of everyone, just like any of the Conjuring movies have or anyone's in that <laughs> universe. So horror fans can look forward to probably what I would see the next big one on their radar is going to be September 7th, so if you're looking forward to a good horror film. And I, I, there's a few people who look forward to horror films more than me, but less than my wife, so I actually have to go see those with, uh, with a friend because she refuses. But yeah, the, I, I don't know what it is about those Conjuring, the people who are writing all those, because I know the original Conjuring was probably one of the scary m movies I've seen this decade, and they keep on churning out the uh, offshoots and the sequels and the prequels to that movie, and they're just killing it. Yeah, I mean, that franchise, I mean, it, it's well insulated by the fact it's got a great storyline, and James Wan is still interested in making the movies there. Uh, so that one will be good. It's taken a spot which typically has done very well for horror movies, which is late September. But if you look at the rest of summer, James, we've got some great product coming up. I mean, coming up is, is at the end, after uh, July 6th, you're going to have Ant-Man and Wasp, which is getting some great reviews out of Europe right now. You're going to have a new Mission Impossible that comes out. And you're going to have all that, plus some wild cards that are just going to be fun. Uh, you have Jason Statham in The Meg, which is about a huge Megalodon shark. It's right around the time of Shark Week. We know that's just going to be a fun popcorn action movie. Uh, and then there's a wild card called The Happy Time Murders, which Melissa McCarthy, Elizabeth Banks, stars detectives. And they're going around in a world where puppets, and humans exist together, and there's all kinds of murders uh, uh, against puppets that are based on a, a television series. It is uh, going to be what I would call the Sausage Party, uh, the Ted-type movie of this year. It's a hard R-rated, raunchy comedy, 
And I think that one's going to do well in August as well. So there's so much product out there for a lot of different people. But I think a lot of things that probably aren't on people's radar, like Happy Time Murders, that are going to do very, very well this summer. Fantastic. And as I mentioned, we're going to have Brett Hahn again next week talking more movies. Uh, Brett, thank you so much for your time today. We'll talk to you again next week. We'll see you next week, James. Thank you very much. Thank you. There he goes, Brett Hoffman, director of Marcus Theaters. We'll tell you more about Marcus Theaters coming back into the next break. And we'll be talking with Eric Myers, who's in charge of STL Comics. And we'll do a giveaway. One person here at the con will win a little Star Wars gift that I've got together. Stand by. Hey, hi, listeners. This is Greg Berger. Meet Grimlock, Dinobot leader from Transformers. And guess what? You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Transformers. We are back broadcasting live from STL Comics here in Earth City. If you're driving around the St. Louis area, you still have time to get down here and check out the hundreds of thousands of comics that are set up by all the various vendors here. We've got Eric Myers in charge of the whole thing. Thanks for jumping on air. Well, thank you for having me, and thanks for coming out today. Absolutely. Um, you've got some other shows that will be coming down, too, so if people who are driving around, they're like, oh, I can't make this one. Where can they catch up with you guys next? Next here in St. Louis, uh, our actual next microcon will be September 16th, back here in Earth City. That'll be from 11 to 3. We've got some other things coming up. We'll be in Springfield, Illinois, on August 25th for our first microcon there. We'll have Ashley Witter. Uh, and the entire uh, Cold War Inc. Uh, crew uh, from her and her team there. We'll also have LeBeau Underwood, and we're hoping to lock in a few other guests. But we'll have about 6,000 square feet there, uh, just packed with comic vendors and artists and everything else. And that'll only be $5 admission. So there you go. You can come out. Uh, and like, we've got artists here, too, who are drawing stuff. If you've got a blank cover you want to bring out, have that filled in uh, while you're browsing other comics, then go back and get it. Uh, with all the different comic book shows that you're doing, have, you just got done with one in Columbia, which I understand went pretty well. Yes, yeah, that went real well. Uh, there hasn't been anything going on down there for a couple of years. Um, it's a smaller event, but we're growing into a bigger space now. Uh, we'll be back there in October as well, and we're spreading out all over the Midwest right now. And you're on Twitter at, at STL Comics and Facebook.com STL Comics if people want to keep up and follow the page and keep track of where you'll be next. Yep, absolutely, and then you can also check out the website, which is stlcomics.net. Perfect. Eric Myers, thanks so much for having Thank us out you, today. James. Yeah, thanks for coming out, guys. And if you want to be uh, down here, like I said, it goes till 3. Come on out. We have artists uh, David Gordon, Jeff Edwards, and Jay Sloan who are down here as well. Like I said, bring that blank variant you've got of Amazing Spider-Man number 800 or Immortal Hulk number 1. Bring it down. Have them sketch up something for you on the front of those. Uh, Eric showed me a comic that he had for Amazing X-Men, an angel uh, from the X-Men's on the cover. It's beautiful. So that, that guy is here. Jeff Edwards can do one of those for you as well. Uh, this segment, as we mentioned, is brought to you by Marcus Theaters. MarcusTheaters.com is the website. We just talked to Brett Hoffman about movies, a bunch of movies coming out. And you know what? You can get rewarded for seeing those movies. Go to MarcusTheaters.com. You can join their rewards program. And every time you go see a movie, every time you buy popcorn, you get points which can be redeemed for future movies. And they're doing a thing right now. They've got movies. If you see five movies this summer that are on their list, you will get money back. Uh, like it's a $15 account just for seeing five of the movies that are on the list and show that Marcus Rewards card 
when you pick up your tickets, you can also uh, get the tickets right there in line at Marcus Theaters. You can browse the upcoming releases. And, of course, the food, uh, they're, they've taken concessions to a new level. They've renovated Ronnie's. They've renovated De Pere. Uh, Chesterfield is being it's, – it, it's changing the way you see movies in the St. Louis area and anywhere Marcus Theaters are located. We're here in St. Louis. We've got four or five. But if you're out there in parts outside the St. Louis area, you're listening online right now, check out the website, 11 different states that have a Marcus Theaters location. So check out the website, Marcus Theaters. Dot com. We went a little long in that last segment, so we're going to take our next break so we can come back and wrap things up. We're going to do a giveaway of some stuff. So stand by. We'll be right back with more. This is Sam Jones, Flash Gordon, and you are listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back. We're broadcasting live at STL Comics. We have a pair of contestants here who are going to jump on air and answer a question. Thanks for joining us, guys. What, what are your names? Austin. My name's Elias Roberts. All right. And what part of town do you live in? South City. South City. Okay. Made it out to Earth City for the con. Thanks for coming out here. So you guys are both Star Wars fans, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course. Okay, good, good. So if you win, you're going to get a little prize pack courtesy of Marcus Theaters, one of our show sponsors. Uh, have you guys already seen Solo? Not yet. Not nope. yet. No. It's on our list, but okay. we love Marcus Theaters. Well, that, and I'm sure Marcus loves to hear that. Perfect. Thank you. Now, I'm going to ask you three questions. You get two questions right, and you're going to win a prize bag. We've got a, a Star Wars Funko Pop, a set of Rogue One posters, and we'll see what else I have in my prize bag to throw in for you guys. So here is the first question. Solo, a Star Wars story, is out in theaters right now. Who originally played Han Solo? Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is correct. All right, you've got one out of three. All right. Second question. There is a gold robot in the Star Wars trilogy. What is the name of that gold robot? C-3PO. C-3PO is correct. You've already got your two out of three. I'm going to ask you the third question anyway, just to throw it out there. I want you to say true or false, okay? True or false, the character play, or I'm sorry, the character played by John Boyega, Finn Jones, in the new Star Wars trilogy used to be a stormtrooper. Yes. That is correct. All three out of three. Look at that. So we're going to give you your prize pack. We've got a... Captain Phasma Funko Pop. We've got a set of three Star Wars Rogue One posters. And I've got something else in my bag. I'll dig through it in just a minute. Uh, we are going to uh, just wrap up the show real quick. Uh, you want to give a shout-out to anybody who's around town? Um, Shelby. Shelby Troll. And Alan Shortridge. All right, there you go. And uh, you can listen to us, obviously, every weekend. Sundays at 1 o'clock on 105.3 FM and 1380 AM. We talk all things pop culture. Next week, we're going to have an interview with comics editor Jim Shooter. We're also going to have Brett Hoffman and Marcus Theaters back on air talking about all the upcoming movies that we have for the back end of the summer blockbusters. And we'll have more for you. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook.com slash geek to me Radio on Twitter and Instagram at geek to me Radio. And, of course, if you are just now tuning in, you missed the show, we upload these as a podcast version. You can find us on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, and Podomatic. Uh, we're here at STL Comics. The show does go till 3 o'clock. So if you're still driving around the St. Louis area, you still have a chance to come out here and be part of the fun. Like I said, hundreds of thousands of comics from the Bronze Age, uh, from the Modern Age, from the Silver Age. They've got slab comics. They've got $5 comic boxes, $1 comic boxes. Uh, so 
bring your Amex card and don't tell your wife you're coming out or don't tell your husband or boyfriend if you want to come out and collect some stuff. But uh, this is a fantastic con. Eric did say he's got more shows coming up. You can check out his website, STL Comics, and, of course, follow him on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at STL Comics. Uh, we want to thank one of our another sponsors, Popcorn Buddha. Popcorn Buddha USA is their website. And if you go to that website, you can check out all the cool flavors they've got of their various popcorns and more. You can order right there online. And if you put in the coupon code GEEK, G-E-E-K, during the checkout, then you will take 15% off of your subtotal, and he will ship that popcorn to you. We are going to go ahead and sign off for this show. Uh, We thank you for listening, as you do each week. And until next week, my friends, we'll see you there. Good night.